0: Well, hey guys, welcome back to the Midwest Whitesall After Hours Podcast, Episode 7 coming your way. And thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It's the middle of the month, sweet November. And this one's going to have some good deer stories that showcase maybe some of the tactics that the guys are using, maybe some things that you've thought about trying. And before we get into exactly what is on this show... Wanted to do a quick roll call. Arctic Shield giveaway is still going on. The entry is super simple. Covered a couple times, but all you gotta do is go to Arctic Shield's Instagram. They've got a Linktree link, follow that. Chasing November giveaway section. The details on how to enter are right there. It's free, really no reason not to. I mean, there's a lot of great prizes. So if you take the time to do it, thank you so much and good luck. Um, on the media side, DK episode is live on the Midwest White Hill YouTube channel. If you're watching this podcast, you're right there. Mike's chase, it was an awesome one, and it's got a lot of really cool deer behavior. It's got a good recovery story, and then you also get to dive into Mike's mind along the way of what pieces he was trying to put together that ultimately led into him tagging his biggest typical buck to date. So, Midwest Whitesell Regional Channel. That is another YouTube channel where a lot of our team members are bringing to life great stories. Check that out because those guys are spread out all across the country and big deer falling. And then finally, on the Midwest Whitesell Daily Channel, if you're not familiar with that, you can find daily updates where let's just say Caleb went and hunted today. That hunt will be turned around before you wake up the next morning. So it's an exciting time of year. We're trying to bring as much of you guys as way as possible. Um, if you guys got any questions, please drop them in the comments. But on this podcast, we're going to be joining the guys for some, like I said, mid-November updates. Collins Marine specifically tagged an awesome buck utilizing a decoy, and he kind of walks us through his start to finish of his rutcation. Mike Reed brings us an awesome update. Ry Ludwig brings us an update who spends a lot of time behind the camera with Mike, but finally. He's got some time in the woods, and he's had some incredible action of his own. Cale Griner gives us an update on those southern Iowa farms that he's jumped to after all the EHD struggles in his home places. And then finally, I give him a quick update on uh, what you can expect from me for the next two weeks. So it's a fun one. It's a great discussion. Owen Riegler's back in the fold, even though he's been on the sidelines, so it's good to catch up with him. We're going to jump to that now. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen or watch. and Good luck the next time you hit the woods. Guys, well, welcome back to the After Hours podcast here at Midwest Whitetail, coming at you with episode 7, middle of November, November 14th. A lot of good updates coming your way. We got Rye Ludwig, who is finally, after busting tail all year, going to get some hunts in of his own because Mike Reed is tagged out. Collins Marine's joining us over there in eastern Iowa. Caleb Griner from southern Iowa. Owen Regler has been riding the pine, but I guess he just couldn't stay away. Had to talk some deer. Um, and then... You got unfortunately to deal with me for the night so exciting things coming your way kicking things off wanted to address the dk score uh, we posed the question whoever got the closest we get some chasing november swag and the winner is going to come in as cobra svtz if you are listening to this podcast please leave a comment on this podcast on youtube and then reach out to us on instagram or Facebook contact us with your shipping details and we will get some stuff sent your way. So Mike, what was the final score of DK?
1: 172 and six eighths.
0: Mr. Cobra came in at 172 and three eighths. So by far the closest, congratulations. And uh, like I said, reach out and we'll go from there. But talking about the November timeframe, not sure who wants to start. I think we just kick off with some updates. Then we'll dive into some of the kills we've had and, uh, who wants to start first?
1: I want to hear about some snort weezes, Caleb.
0: No, they're the worst, they with the best. Uh,
2: Man, you know, we've, uh, so we moved shop. I don't know, man, when was I on the podcast last? Well, we moved shop from where uh, I grew up hunting where I had all my uh, spots pretty much. And um, we've got this new permission farm and we had some really good hunts uh, sitting at the edge of bedding. Uh, doe bedding and I call it doe bedding just because I know that there's multiple does that have been in there almost every day that we're in there. So I can, I know for sure there's going to be does there that day. So that's going to make sure that there's probably going to be box running through there. And, um, we had a couple hunts that it, it was just that, and we had some really fun, we had some really fun snort wheezes some of the best vocal I've ever had in the woods. That's for sure. I mean, I don't know how you don't bust out laughing when they're right under the trees, nor and like that. It's hilarious.
0: Yeah. It's a very special thing to get to witness. I mean, it's the frequency that which you have been seeing it. I mean, is absolutely crazy to me. Cause I mean, I, I thought that's always one of the coolest things being a video editor is like you get to tap into, you know, 20 to 30 different folks a season and you might see one or two clips like that a year and it seems like every text you send us you know a new update on the day and for those listening want to make sure that we give a shout out here to the Midwest Whitetail Daily blog channel uh, if you want to follow along with what Caleb's seeing in video form day by day you can follow his playlist there Owen's got a playlist Mike's got a playlist Gavin myself Zach Rosmus so lots of daily um you know updates coming your way that are very very real time go into those strategies but caleb take a step back one thing i think would be kind of cool to talk about how different is the terrain you know that was where you grew up hunting think about i mean what you were putting cameras out now you're in southern iowa you know the quote-unquote mecca um paint that picture for people where we're at down there
2: Yeah you know this farm is basically made up of a really big draw and there's a bunch of small fingers that go out um, from it but it's surrounded by hundreds of acres of standing corn right now and it's hilarious we're sitting in the tree um, doing all they sits and you'll just hear deer bellering, chasing getting it on all over crashing through the standing corn all over but you can't see them so uh it it has been really tough you know it's interesting you're talking about that decoy i mean we have had such fun hunts over that decoy and in the past i've i've used the decoy and i've had really i haven't had really good luck i i feel like the spots i've used them in the past i just i saw too many does and maybe i just didn't know what i was doing but we have just been having crazy good hunts like you said and the vocalization but more so just bringing these bucks into bow range. I mean, every time we see a buck without a doe, he comes right into the decoy, no questions asked, but um, it's been really fun. So, I mean, if you got a decoy right now, it's a great time to try it, I'll tell you what.
1: It sounds awesome. I've watched a couple of them. I mean, I think it's probably, think about why and what the variations are between properties and when you might experience that or where you might experience that. And I think about, and I, don't, I haven't talked to you much about this property, but to me, it's a testament to probably the age structure and the sex ratio on that property and, uh, you know, bucks really looking and fighting and doing standoffs and all this kind of stuff, because you just don't see that behavior anywhere. I mean, you could sit every day. And so to see that consistency, I mean, I don't know, what do you think about that property? Obviously, you've been on a little bit. I would like to hear Owen's thoughts, too, about like the frequency of that uh, behavior, you know, what might play into it.
2: I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and they've got a healthy deer population, um, where I'm hunting and the doe pop is really high too. But you know, today was the first day that we saw mature bucks or sorry, yesterday was, and we've only been really seeing three and four year olds. So I'm not really sure. I, I guess I, I would say that we're having such good hunts and seeing that stuff just because we're sitting so close to bedding so close to where we know these does are. And man, it's just like, like we've been saying, it's just lighting it up.
1: Yeah. So it's some younger, it's some of them are younger bucks doing that. The, yeah.
2: The majority of what we've been seeing other than that one day, um, have been three and four year olds are younger, but that yesterday we had an hour at like 10 o'clock where we saw three mature bucks finally. So that was nice to see, but you know, I know, they're I know they're in here, but I just, I've been thinking. Are they doed up or what, but it's crazy. I've got, I can't pattern a deer all of October and this darn junkyard dog that, uh, Owen helped me out with, you know, I got a couple of cameras over here on this, on this draw and this deer has been coming into the property that I can hunt at right an hour after last light. And then he, he goes right back to the neighbors at like four o'clock in the morning. So he's been completely huntable. He's done it five days in a row and he is pretty much the only good buck in the area so far. So it's been a little, uh, it's been a little slow.
3: I was gonna ask you, Caleb, have you had, have you switched over to a doe at all? And have you had any bucks that have shied away from your buck decoy now here in middle of November?
2: So I haven't had any bucks shy away from it unless they're a one and a half, two and a half year olds. But uh, you know, I did notice I used A boss buck one day and then i used a dsd lee was nice enough to let me uh use it thanks leanne but um the dsd i have not had a single deer spook from it but when we used that that uh boss buck we had a couple does that that came out and they didn't like it but with that dsd i i mean we've had those circle and stand by that dsd decoy for 10 to 15 minutes calm and comfortable and then work off without. Without blowing, so I have noticed a really big difference with that. The only thing that kind of sucks about it is it's a it's a really expensive
0: decoy, but yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's fun to hunt over. I tell you that
0: much. We we actually had a, a what would it have been two podcasts ago. I think we dove into you know pretty in depth decoy usage, and one of the things we talked about specifically with that Dave Smith was just the first off the size difference. You know, Zach had brought up a very good comparison there of like that dave smith is substantially body size wise smaller uh, it's a little bit less intimidating but even just diving into you know the things that i feel like have stood out to me the most is the anatomical ear position um it, it's just very realistic and you know when we had that discussion i had to st- talked about how using an actual mount produced an extremely different result so i have to think that those are those little details making the biggest difference for you ironically we're going to talk about a kill tonight with collins marine who i believe if memory serves me correctly you do have the big giant uh, boss buck decoy and have had some really awesome hunts over it um but i'll be anxious to hear once we get to that part of the conversation the acceptance of the overall deer herd. Is it just mature bucks that accept that thing and get fired up or are you noticing different, you know, than what we're talking about maybe those everything's accepting it. So yeah, Caleb, you've been having some awesome hunts, man. I'm really excited to see things hopefully come together. It's interesting you say even seeing younger age class. I mean, that's something that you hear often talked about this time of the year is feast or famine, especially when it comes to mature buck activity, more than likely. Part of, you know, maybe what you're seeing is those does that are locked down more than likely are your mature bucks. Now, granted, you just said five days in a row you've seen this junkyard dog buck. Is that, is that the new number one, to be clear? He's number one. As of right now, okay. So hopefully, you know, as we get into the latter part of November, I mean, you're doing all you can, sitting all day. Like I said, follow along on the daily blog. Um, I think the next update, would make a lot of sense to be Mike Reed. Rye, I mean, I guess you guys could both give us, I'd like to see either perspective, but, uh, tagged out middle of November. That's super exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think Rye should take us through, uh, if maybe November 10th. Yeah. I guess go back to November
4: 9th. That's when the first encounter was the evening. Um, a little while ago, I got pictures of a pretty good buck, and I'd been hunting that tight 10 deer sparingly while filming Mike, and I finally got an afternoon where Mike was working and went out there and made a sit. It was November 9th, my first sit of November, and uh, lo and behold, this big deer steps out, and it for me, that was the biggest deer I've ever seen hunting for myself, and I was just like, well, holy crap. Like, <laughs> it's uh Pretty exciting, just sitting a little blind on a cut cornfield, a lot of does coming to it. And uh, the store wheezed at him, grown at him a couple times. He didn't want anything to do with me or the decoy I had. He had nine does with him. And uh, Caleb, I'll say I've had very different uh, experiences with the decoy than you're having. So now I think uh, looking at your setup on Instagram today, you're like, you have it tucked inside in a little opening in the timber. So, mine's on, like, a cut cornfield, and I was talking to Collins. His is kind of on that transition trip as well. I wonder if that's not kind of messing me up. Maybe I need to get a little closer, maybe a little more in the bubble. But um, he came out, ran some does around, and then tight 10 came out, and they postured up to each other, and he just stood there, and tight 10 just does a circle around him and just keeps on walking. I was like, well, you know who the boss is in this situation. So, we snuck out of there that night and I went in the next morning and uh, the first deer I see in the field, 10 minutes before shooting lights, that big deer, he uh, loops around behind me a couple minutes after legal shooting. It still wasn't quite good enough for the camera and uh, pops up two hours later across the field after I watched tight 10 running does all morning and I rattled and he came right in and uh, worked by about 30 yards and I took a shot and got ducked pretty hard and um, Looking back at it, I, uh, I had to stop the deer. So I was self-filming and I stopped him in my gap and he was kind of alert. And I think with that, when I shot, he reacted really hard off of it. And he kind of saw me at the end of my draw, I think as well, looking back at the footage. So hit him in the shoulder and uh, Mike, me, Zach and Ty went out and tracked probably five hours later just to follow up and make sure uh, what we thought was not gonna be a non-lethal shot was that and Last night, got a picture of him still kicking and chasing a doe. So that was encouraging to see. I made a sit for him tonight. Didn't have any luck, but we did lay eyes on another buck. Uh, I'm not really sure who it is, Caleb, but I'm pretty positive it's the eight point that uh, Casey was hunting last year. No kidding? No, no pictures of him at all this year. And uh, I'm 90% sure it was him. I'll send you a clip of it later. But
2: Oh, dude, that's crazy. That's like four years of history with that. <laughs> I know. So... It's
4: exciting, that cornfield's been hot, so I'm just gonna keep hunting it when I can, and uh, hopefully we can put something together here shortly.
2: That footage was sick. That deer is in absolute stead. I mean, his mass looked incredible. The, the inside beam off is,
4: uh, it, it gets me. <laughs> so, I, I, I just, I sit here, and I, I was talking to Mike about this the other day. It's like moving here from Maryland. I never ever even thought I would have a deer like that in bow range. Like it it was just like a culmination of like everything over the past three years. I was like, it sucks how it went down, but I'm glad like the shot was what it was. You know, I didn't wound him bad, so. I feel like you still got a good shot at him. I think so too. I, with that being said, tight 10 is still, I mean, (laughs) if he walks by, it's we're not past him because there's a bigger deer on there.
2: Could you try a buck and a doe decoy out in that open field? Maybe like a doe decoy laying down. I, Lee tried that the other day, and he had probably two or three bucks come up and check it out in an open field.
4: I should try that. I, I Actually, I, I made a couple texts today to see if anybody had a laydown doe, and I don't know anybody that does. So I might have to go buy one, but I just didn't have time today with trying to get some editing done, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, the scenario you painted right there talking about, you know, the the first night encounter where they gave you a look, but then didn't commit. To me, it sounds like a, a hand up or, you know, a hand up Tom in a field. He's going to acknowledge you there. He'll look at you, but you're not a threat. You're not, you know, you're so far away and you're not really coming any closer, you know. So he, he doesn't really have a, a reason to leave what he's out there for to come to you. So I think you're on the right track there, the idea of a quote-unquote bubble. Um, but, you know, like you guys just all mentioned, maybe the, the dough is enough to be like, now what are you doing? No, no, that's not cool. Maybe that brings them across. I mean, for me, that spot, knowing what it is, I think it only gets better as the month goes on. You know, we're in the middle of the month now, but as that return to food, becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. It appears to me you're pretty much in the game you know, and and ironically, you're not only going to have ag, you know, you you have your poor man's plot with green as well. And I mean, with this hot weather, I got to think that that has served you somewhat well. So
4: it's been really impressive. Like there's those two little plots. I did one on either side of the field and every single evening they're coming out through these two spots. It's every single deer comes through, hits it and then heads on and out to the north to the main ag fields it's it's neat to watch and especially when like and i think everybody here can understand the amount of work that we put in and obviously doing something like that's not exactly very intensive but it's like rewarding to see that and nice to see the results come together so
0: for what for people wondering what the heck we're talking about because again we got to remember people can't see us and they they haven't watched this footage so you had deer damaged corn correct correct and then I remember you're like, I'm gonna go broadcast this monster buck, you know, braska mix into that. Let's see if I get some germination. So that is what he is talking about. He took a damaged agricultural field, turned it into something has green food next to grain. And uh, I mean, you had to walk back there pretty dang far. I remember watching the footage of you. You looked. Um, very, it was. Awesome. The humidity was also
4: about a 100% that day, so. <laughs> he, he looked wounded, Josh. <laughs> it, was, it was, I uh, took my dog, and my dog just kept looking up at me like, dude, what are we
1: Is doing? it over yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no, the germination is actually pretty good right there, but I think, you know, I went, the first time I've ever been right there was when we were tracking, and uh just to reiterate what you said, I mean, obviously, we all watched the footage and felt like, it's probably not lethal, but let's go uh, do do a thorough job and make sure. And we found blood, and the the blood kind of matched what we thought the shot was, and tracked him probably I don't know three hundred yards, would you say, Rye, and uh, to the property line, and and there was very sparse blood. Where we're basically finding it where the vegetation was brushing. I was finding it just on brushed vegetation, not on the ground. And uh, so I felt pretty confident that, you know, he was going to be alive and then it didn't take very long for him to be back on camera at all. But as we've talked um, the last couple of times we were out there, I mean, you actually have those bedded out. You have cut beans, you have cut corn, you have CRP and you got this like wooded ditch. And there's actually bucks tending those bedded out in like a waterway and you're taking photos of them from 300 yards away. You know, so it's kind of interesting and then watching little bucks come and bust them up. Um I think the doe decoy, you know, may be a, a good plan. Yeah. So do you with a with a cut corn like that, like I
4: think when you get where there Mike, that cut corn's it's like a little, little high like they ran the combine head a little high. Do you think that dough is going to be like visible on the flat ground like that? How what do you think?
1: You know, all you need is the head sticking up. Okay. I don't know. I mean those deer can see they know what they're looking at you know they they might latch onto the buck and then they're come they're inspecting and they see the doe it makes them more interested you know but um you also could get on the edge i mean where that green is there there's the in rows i mean there's there's probably enough visibility there but oh and you have any comments you have any experience with that
3: i mean yeah i was gonna say i would actually go to a standing doe if it was me personally but no, it's, that's just my experience. I've never tried a bedded dough, so I've, I've only got experience with a standing doe.
0: Owen, oh, you have certainly started a, uh, a heat wave of decoy usage this year, man. Way to go.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's gotten crazy. It's gotten crazy. Everybody wants
0: that experience
1: you had, man.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, that's why I asked Caleb earlier if he'd tried a doe, because this is typically when I'd switch over to a doe decoy, because you get in this frantic stage of the rut right here. A lot of times they are not responding unless they actually see a doe. You can't call them. They just don't respond unless they see something or sitting in the funnel. And you know, the the pinch Mike's farm, if you're sitting there, I mean, yeah, they're going to come by, but you know, it's a, it can be a tough time to, to catch up to one.
0: Yeah, That's a, yeah, that sure. a great observation
1: Well, um, yeah, so November 10th We went out and tracked Rice buck for a while And then we got in the stand We moved down to the river farm And made a short hunt Didn't want to go too deep in after Fitz I worked a lot of the week And uh, made two little hour and a half hunts uh, Fitz had been kind of um, off, off the radar I assumed he was with a doe and I think it was Thursday that I had him daylight in the morning. In the afternoon, I was like, "Guys, oh, between those, I was like, just talking to the ride. We're just going to put our time in. This is the area the farm he's been on, and so let's just go sit there and try to put ourselves in a good position to, you know, see him." And uh, we went out a little while on the 10th in the afternoon. Had a good hunt. Saw a beautiful three-year-old and some, you know, chasing and messing around. But we we're really buying time for the next day. And we went to the central timber. Uh, which is just a big bedding area, a bunch of um, bottom sort of wet, bunch of sloughs, um, reed canary grass and it's thick. And that's where we filmed that big fight last year and had tons of great hunts in there after Kelsey. And so we went and sat at the edge of that and saw a fair amount of rut activity. Um, It was all young deer, but lots of chasing. And I could see this area that we had been hunting where it's kind of where the main trail comes out of that bedding area off to the ag and there's a bunch of acorns and we're probably 300 yards from there and i could see chasing going on and the wind wasn't right to hunt there in the morning so just i never could tell it was over there but the afternoon we said let's move there and so this is november 11th on on veterans day and we finally got in there early instead of an hour and a half hunt we had like a three and a half hour hunt it was like four hour hunt whatever it was nice and uh so we had sat till you know 11 30 noon got down did a little switch around and then got back up and it's interesting how i feel like the acorns i've hunted there in previous years but not with that mass crop and it's good in its own right i have a little green plot we have the natural movement out but the acorns have just kept the deer right there and uh it's interesting because there's a ton of deer bed right there and so we've been trying to figure out how to sneak in there because every time we go in there we actually bump a few deer it doesn't seem to mess up the hunt. It's mostly fawns and stuff, but we got in the stand and I'm looking around I'm like, well, there's a deer, there's a deer that we had three or four deer bedded within 50 yards of the stand. And, uh, the grass and the brush is just tall enough. And this time out, we didn't have to hang anything. We had left it up for anticipation of future hunts. So we just like walked up, got the tree and, um, you know, we saw what we saw the baby eight and a a few three year olds starting to move around and then 330 rolls around. And um, I can hear a chase coming, I can just hear the deer crashing through the brush. And I'm, I'm looking around, we're in a we're in a little pin oak, and I left a lot of branches up. So I've got a couple holes to shoot out. We have deer under us all the time, they never pick us off, but you're limited on what you can shoot. And there's the lane coming out of the woods that I can watch really well. And we have the food plot back over my shoulder that I can watch really well, but there's a a big gap right to my left where it's a, a willow thicket. And they came straight through that straight towards us. And you could just hear him coming, but couldn't see him. And next thing we know, this is all happening in like five seconds. The doe just comes running under the tree and I'm standing up, grabbing my bow because I'm like, maybe it's him. Like, and I see him, he's at 10 yards barreling down on the doe. The doe stops at our ground scent, and he stops, and I'm like, "It's him! It's him! It's him!" And Ry's trying to stand up and wake up from his nap, and all this, and you know, <laughs> get recorded. And I mean, he comes into one yard, and I draw back, and rise like, "No, no, no!" You know, he's under the tree. Thankfully, he's focused on the doe. The doe kind of gets in the slough behind us, <clears throat> and there's enough branches and junk that I can't shoot him where he stops. He's at 20 yards. He goes through the first gap, the doe like takes off because he stomps at her. And then he gets in 20. And I I can't stop him. He gets in the next gap at 26 quartering away. And I mean, just about yelled at him. And he finally stopped to be like, what was that? And uh, hard quartering away, but tucked it tucked it in. um, Got all up in there. And then he he ran off what 60 yards. I tried to pull Owen. And uh, <laughs> I ranged him. I was like, "He's at 62." I'm grabbing another. It wasn't the hundred yard shot you made, but
3: <laughs> you had to outdo me by one yard there, didn't you?
1: <laughs> I I'd knock an arrow, and, I, and I'm just frantic because I actually didn't like my shot. I I was aiming about four inches in front of the back crease, and he stepped right as I was walking, right as I was going to shoot, and so I hit like in the crease, and he was quartering away pretty hard, and it. I mean like i said hindsight's twenty twenty, but it ended up getting all the way up into that offside shoulder but my initial reaction was like dang it that's not what i wanted to do well he trots off at 60 and tail is tucked and he's kind of wide-legged and i'm just getting ready for a follow-up shot but before i can even draw my bow back it's like he's going to go down and so he kind of did the wobble and, and and fell over and i was like Oof. you know but uh it was pretty exciting i mean This deer fits magic. I've talked about it some on the blog, but it's interesting because we have easy, these five years of history. I mean, 2019, 20, 21, 22, trail camera pictures, very easy to tell. It's the same deer. Got sheds off of them, tons of encounters. Great buck fight last year, breeding does under the stand. I mean, we used to call him, we kind of called him turning 10 in the past, just because he was always a 10 that kind of wrapped. And then filmed him in velvet last year, filmed him in velvet this year, and Rye actually filmed him in velvet was like, man, look at all the junk. He, he has a bunch of base points and back points. And, and, uh, he's always been a five by five with little bumps for G fives. And there was one year he tried to grow a common base and this year he just threw it all out at seven. And so he, it was kind of neat. He's, he doesn't have a big frame. He's not super massive, but he just threw everything out, you know? And it's just a bunch of points. I think He had 17 scoreable points and, uh, we've been watching him the, the running joke is I had him at four and a half for three years in a row. And, uh, because he, he always had a small body and I was like, yeah, that's, he's four, he's still four, he's four again. And uh, last year, Ryan and I, we kept seeing him every single hunt. And I was like, I need to go back and actually look at photos. And I, I know, Owen, you've mentioned this before. Sometimes deer just kind of slip under the radar. And he was one of those bucks where Oh, that's a great deer. He's got potential. Then the next year, like, Oh yeah, was he three last year? And he's four this year. And you know, just never big bodied. And so finally last year I went back and I'm looking at photos and I see him in 2020. I'm like, he wasn't three there. Go back to 19 Finally, Like, Oh, there he's still like, God dang, he's, he's getting up there. And so this year being seven and a half, I mean, it's like, you got to hunt him. And, uh, he was actually, in my opinion, very killable at the end of October. We were we're hunting dk on the other than the farm and like he's just teasing us he's on like every camera totally daylight active and i'm like man we should probably just go kill that deer and then come back and hunt dk the rest of the year it worked out to catch up with dk and then of course right as they the does start coming to estrus he starts disappearing um but it ended up working out i mean we just got in his his wheelhouse he was staying pretty tight to one area and it was what a week before we killed him we had three encounters with him in one day um in fact, our first hunt after I shot DK my last day in my little rutcation I had to go to work a couple of days, came back and I'm like, you know, I think this is the spot in the morning. We're going to catch up with him on this win. We go in there and we're we're just not focused. We're totally lackadaisical. We're joking about everything, just not paying attention. And he sneaks in behind us. And I mean, the first thing we and that's right side of the tree by the way but um you know, <laughs> the first thing we notice is like him running off and i get my vitals i'm like yep that's him i'm like man we shouldn't even be out here until we can like refocus but uh it was, we made a little move for the afternoon and then saw him at four o'clock with a doe and then he comes through the food plot at 55 yards like right at dark and we had a young buck under the stand i'm like man it's, he's gonna come in and he he looked at that buck and then yeah he just kept walking down the trail and uh, not overly aggressive and anyway it was fun we just were putting a little time in and it all worked out he comes crashing into one yard hard to beat it
0: talk about two hunts that were just so sudden I yeah. mean for those that would have watched DK that episode is finally out released the last night um, don't want to spoil anything but there's an example Mike's watching does rye is so focused on the footage he forgets to go hey mike dk's coming get ready and then all of a sudden you know that what happened ensued but between that and you know the fitz kill it's like well, good on you guys for making both of those scenarios come together i mean you talk about two boone and crockett caliber deer again i mean that's a testament to the amount of work you guys put down there at the river farm and One of the things that I'm really excited to see come through on the episode, that obviously would be an episode on the Monday show here coming up. Mike, talk about the fact that like, you referenced how he was kind of always under the radar. But one of the things that blows my mind is here's this, like you said, not huge frame, not huge mass deer. Think about all the bucks over the years you guys were hunting on that property and he stuck it out there. Yeah. I mean, it's like, he's a fighter. He was scrapping. Was there a time of year is is, like, was he a resident deer all the time? Was he a rut deer? I
1: want to go back. No, I mean, he, he definitely was, uh, I mean, he wasn't in the center of the farm off season, but you know, obviously filming him in velvet two years in a row. I mean, he was right mm -hmm. there. And um, we might, I need to go back when I have some time and try to find, 19 footage and see i wouldn't be surprised if we had encounters with him but um let's see in 2021 you know we were hunting we were hunting chubbs so much that we weren't down there a ton but we filmed him late season and every time he'd come out late season I'd be like, Man, that deer's that deer looks awesome. He'd get me excited every time he would pop out, put him in the bar, I was like, Oh, that's that that four year old Tim, because he was a four year old for three years in a row. But um I'll never forget Mike. Like the first time
4: we saw him late season, Mike just go, What deer is
1: that? <laughs> <laughs> With the naked eye at two hundred and fifty yards and are like, Oh man, he looks nice. And uh you know, so he definitely was in the area. And then last year where I was I was committed to hunting Kelsey and I was there so much. I mean, we saw him a ton. I mean, we just saw him everywhere. We sat all over the farm. It's like, he just would be there kind of, and, and kind of like that. I mean, daggers, we had a bunch of encounters with, and that moss deer we had a bunch of encounters with, but for a six-year-old, he was really running, running around a bit. And I think daggers was probably six and a half last year as well. And I mean, daggers whooped up on him on that fight. I mean, I thought, well, turnin's gonna be dead at the end of this because I thought he was gonna break his neck. I mean, they were locked together, they were just he was trying to get loose and get out of there and uh I mean, yeah, I flipped him over i mean it it was it was nuts and then when the doe breeding happened, you know it was basically three two year olds and him, and so he's trying to run all these young bucks off and little two-year-old runs in and breeds a doe and he just comes barreling in from like a hundred yards away, like trying to spear that deer and then he bred the doe and, you know, so he was trying to hold his own. I think it's interesting though, that area is, I mean, it's, it's all cover and, and there's a, there's a very high deer density. And so there's a ton of does, And I mean, we've talked about this before, but we have does that are not getting bred, right? So they come back into Eshers in December. We've seen them locked down. In fact, when Kelsey was five, he was locked down with a doe in January. And so there's just so many does that, I mean, deer come from, oh, oh there's a lot of bucks in there. And, uh, but, but it is, I mean, he's a, enough of a homebody buck that we've got lots of encounters in history with
0: him. It's going to make for an awesome episode. I mean, it might feel somewhat nature, you know, geographic feeling. I mean, there's just so many random, I mean, you guys talk about it big buck fight. And that one's, you know, it's not a tickle horns. It is locked up. Like Mike says, you think one of them's going to die before it's over the buck breeding. Um, I'm very excited for that episode. And, you know, again, big shout out to you, Ry, for laying it down as always. I think like I made a comment on the DK episode last night. It's, it's incredible how easy you guys make it look. Every time we're like, oh yeah, Mike and Ry just laid down something incredible again that's awesome you know but as somebody that's got to you know experience a lot of different things from the videography standpoint and just the extra time and effort that it takes to capture some of these things and ultimately look you guys do it year in and year out and uh it's going to be another exciting episode and hopefully the bow on a fantastic bow season can be stamped with rye catching up to one of those two bucks so it's an awesome update um but I do want to jump into now our guest of the night, Collins Marine. Tell us what's been going on, man.
5: Yeah. Uh it's been it's been a good November so far. Uh I kinda started hunting out. Well, I took some vacation a couple weeks ago and uh started hunting a deer I called E B. It was I, I name it EB because it's Elizabeth's Buck. She had kind of, uh, dubbed that her deer. And I, I made a, uh, a vow to her that I would not shoot that deer this year. If it came in, I'd give her a couple chances at it. And so I went into the property, uh, my first hunt and well, first hunt of like the rotation kind of got in deep to some bedding. It was November 1st and, uh, it was right on the backside. Well, that morning was still, I think the last day of that good cold front that you guys all mm-hmm. capitalized on. But, uh, I got in there and had bucks running does all over, coming and checking this bedding area. And of course the first mature buck, he's a good five and a half year old that comes in is EB and he comes into 25 yards broadside going to check a doe in front of me. And, uh, I had to let him go, and I—I um, I don't know. I—I I text, I, yeah, I text Elizabeth, and I'd I was be like, single. <laughs> I text Elizabeth, and I was like, if you ever thought that I didn't love you, you better better. That I just passed this deer, and she. When I told her about it, like before, I was like, you know what, deer's gonna come in. She's like, ah, oh, you probably won't even see him. And I'm like, well, I'm going to the part of the farm that he's living on and of course he's the first deer that came in so I uh, decided to take myself out of this situation of that deer's area so I decided to go hunt a different buck the next couple days and uh, went to the other side of the farm and I was going to go after this eight point that uh, I we'd had some really good encounters with the year before Um, he was a six and a half year old this year Um, Elizabeth almost killed him last year a couple times we had him come into a decoy one day and then uh, hung up at like 50 yards in the stand that I passed EB and actually, but this year he had kind of transitioned, wasn't hanging out as much. in uh, this one part of the farm. I was only getting pictures of him on the, uh, West side of the farm. So I made a sit kind of, uh, it's very similar to, uh, Mike's pinch spot right along the river, big bedding area. And, uh, the whole farm kind of pinches down on this one spot as it goes to the East. And, uh, I got set up there and uh, it was like 8.30. I decided to rattle. I'd seen some movement, uh, a bunch of does coming back into the bedding area, a bunch of young bucks, but it got kind of quiet. So I decided to rattle and um, I ended up, nothing happened, a couple minutes. So uh, I kind of got relaxed and had the camera still on and I hear a grunt up in front of me. So I stand up and I look and here comes this eight point that I was in here after coming right to me he's at like 60 yards so I get get ready get the camera on him I'm filming him and the way the river bends if he goes left he'll come basically on the left side of the tree but he can't really get behind me because I'm right on the river or if he goes right it'll kind of give me a perfect quarter and way shot Um, and that's the way all the other deer gone well he decides to come straight to the base of the tree which it just amazes me every time like how good these deer are at pinpointing where that sound came from because he literally comes straight to the base of the tree so I'm self-filming um, as you guys know it's and rye and it's not the easiest thing to do so I'm on him I got my bow in one hand and he's coming I'm filming him he's at like 10 yards but he's going to get past me and give me that quarter and away shot so I move the camera in front of him just a little bit zoom out just a touch and all right I'm going to let him like walk th- through the opening and I'll stop him and shoot him here at like seven yards, five yards. Well, I get my uh, release on the D loop. I'm about to pull back. And for whatever reason, I don't think he was spooked or anything, but he decides to trot and he trots right through my lane, uh, like the camera and then stops at like 15 yards and just starts looking around, not looking up at me like he saw me or anything, but just looking around, trying to figure out where this fight came from. I think where the other deer at? And I can't get the camera moved. I get the camera moved to him, but at this point, there's a limb in the way and I can't get a shot. And he ends up, uh, basically, I didn't get a shot, long story short. He ends up going back the way he came. Uh, I tried grunting him back in, but he he didn't see what he came in there to find the first time. And uh, he, he just kind of walked out of my life. So that was a pretty big bummer. I, uh, I text these guys and it was like, I can't believe this just happened. Like... This is why you don't sell film, but here I am still doing it.
0: And uh, felt like deja vu when you texted me that because all I could think about was 2016 White Patch 10 just walking in, everything's all good. We get on the opening and he just runs through for no reason.
5: Yep. (laughs) When you sent
0: me that, I was like, "Do I bring it up? Do I I open
5: that wound?" I I didn't even think about it till you just said that. Yeah. Same thing. (laughs) No chance of stopping them there. So. So he, he walked out and I had a good hunt the rest of that day. I actually had an encounter with EB. He came through at noon and, uh, just checking does, went down to the river, got a drink and then walked back through the bedding. And so I had an awesome hunt that day, but then the next day I decided I was going to hop back in that stand just cause that buck was in the area and he wasn't on a doe that morning. So I was hoping he'd still be looking. So the next morning I get in there and, um, have a couple does up in the bedding area working around see one bedded down and uh, have a couple of young bucks come and bump them off and uh, two or three bucks across the river. And then I see one young buck, I see a doe up in the, uh, up in the bedding area and a young buck, a nice two and a half, three and a half year old comes in there and he goes up to that doe and they both disappear. And then all of a sudden I see him come out of the bedding area, cross the river and go to the other side on the neighbors and that's weird like either that doe is not hot or i don't know like usually they'll stick around and kind of chase them around from the back of my mind i'm thinking maybe there's mature deer in there with her well about that time i see uh the same eight point from the day before uh the doe comes busting out and i see him kind of juking and jiving back in there just corralling her towards the river and uh, she actually had uh, two fawns with her and so they're running around back there for a while and then, uh, I grunt at him and I don't know if he was going after one of the other does, but he, as soon as I grunt at him, he almost like turns and walks the other way. And I'm like, oh no, like, did I scare him? Because the other day, like maybe he associated cause I'm in the same tree as I had the encounter with him the morning before. Um, so I thought maybe, I don't know, maybe he didn't like that. So, um, anyway, I see the doe. And the two fawns, they start coming out and uh, end up coming right in front of me about 40 yards. And all of a sudden I hear grunting coming from behind and here he comes, going to give me the same opportunity coming from the left though this time. And these does, they're coming down the trail that should take them by like 30 yards, but it cuts off. They can either come by the tree, which would bring them 10, 15 yards or keep them out 30, 40 yards. And uh, they decide to take the forty-yard trail, and he comes through right on their tail, but stays a little bit beyond them, and stayed at about forty-three yards, and um, was in front of me. And I, I can make that shot, but it's not a shot that I'm wanting to take. And self filming, and just everything that's going on, I, I didn't, I didn't try to push the issue. And he ended up chasing those does off and kind of back up into the bedding area away, and. He, I threw a couple more grunts at him, but he, he was not interested in me. He had what he wanted and, uh, off they went. So that was kind of disheartening again. I mean, awesome encounters. Can't complain about that, but just so close, but couldn't make it happen. So, uh, that morning actually after that encounter got really slow. So I'm just thinking in the back of my head, like there's another deer on this farm that's older than this deer, I think, um, this is a deer that I ended up killing. And after these two encounters, I'm just kind of like defeated a little bit. Like you, you work all year for this and then all of a sudden you get the opportunities and you can't make it happen. It's just, you guys know how it feels. It's cool.
0: that, That's a great point, man. Like, especially in your shoes, right? I mean, you're taking vacation. It's, it's really cool as one of your friends getting to listen to this different perspective, because I mean, it doesn't seem like, unfortunately it's getting farther and farther away, which means we're getting older. But it feels like yesterday that it was, you know, Caleb, myself, you were making schedules for deer hunting, you know, our class schedules are all about spring turkey hunting or deer hunting in the fall. And, you know, life has changed a little bit now where it's like those encounters, man, five years ago, it wouldn't have been was like, Oh, cool, man, let's get after it. We're, we're on, we're gone. And so to hear you just sharing a different perspective of like, It's a little bit more pressure. You know, you got vacation time, you're taking time away from the kids and the family. And so, you know, one of the things that people might forget is Midwest Whitetails team, it's made up of people just like you. You know, if you're listening to this, like we all work a job, we're all taking time off from the things that we care about outside of deer hunting. And uh, so I don't know, just an observation as one of your friends is like, man, we're getting old whoever thought we'd be we'd be talking
5: this way we used to schedule everything try to hunt five seven days a week if we could and uh usually made it happen whether we should or not but we got (laughs) out there (laughs) Uh, but yeah so basically i decided i'd give that spot a break just i had two encounters with him right there and there's another deer on the farm that i'd love to see and possibly shoot if i uh got the opportunity and that's this deer I ended up shooting he uh he actually showed he was the first buck to show up in velvet this year on the farm and I didn't recognize him at first I could tell I mean just a giant body and um big old looking face on him but I did not recognize like his rack right away and so I started looking back at pictures and I realized pretty soon that it's actually I'm pretty positive it's a deer that me and Caleb had some encounters with uh, four years ago, a buck that I called Beams Jr. And, uh, basically he, uh, showed up four years ago and kind of disappeared. He was a three and a half year old. And a lot of times, you know, three and a half year olds, they can get pushed out, transition to other areas, other territories. And, uh, um, but this deer has the exact same frame, just older and meaner, I guess. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, uh, I started kind of putting two and two together that I'm pretty sure that was this deer, you know, he, uh, looks exactly the same. And Anyway, he's an old mature deer and, uh, I'd love to get a good look at him and probably shoot him if I got the opportunity. He just, I've, I've got a couple of five and six year olds on the farm and this deer just kind of towers over them and just looks bigger. And so I knew he was a good mature deer to take. Well, so I decided to move to a different side of the farm. Um, actually the same stand where i shot my buck out of last year uh it's a redneck overlooking a big turnip plot Um, i planted radishes
0: take a step back where you start uh talking about the hunt um drought year right uh paint the story a little bit access where is this located next to you know what type of winds are you hunting it on why do you have a redneck blind there talk about what you planted i mean that 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 to me is where this really starts is no-till drill opportunity, you know, that luckily we were given down there.
5: So yeah, I decided to go over to this other part on the farm where, uh, I put in quite a bit of work for, um, on this plot where I've had a lot of success in the past It's actually the same food plot where I was able to shoot my buck out of last year, which kind of a lot of deja vu, I killed him on November 11th last year over a decoy and this year I killed him November 10th over a decoy in the same spot literally basically the same spot in the field. But anyway, the the work I guess on that I've done to this plot, um, I've got ag, which we came in with a no-till drill this year. Um, thanks to Mike, uh, we were having our uh, um, meeting down there and he was genu- generous enough to let me use it and uh, got a bunch of beans planted in there. And we keep those fenced off until uh, late season just because they absolutely annihilate them. So I've still got them fenced off, but as you guys, if you watch the footage, you'll see some deer getting in there and, uh, walking through the fence, but kept them out. So there's, there's a lot of food there, but, um, basically I've got this redneck positioned. I've got, um, big bedding to my North and my South or what'd it be my East and my West. And then to my North, I've got, um, just, I blow my wind out behind me so it's perfect for a south southwest wind and then uh but because i keep this fenced off in the field the uh with the redneck i a lot of times will hunt it on a northwest wind blow my scent over the standing beans and just keep the windows shut until the moment of opportunity and it's exactly what we did on cooper's hunt and nothing smelled us and same thing happened on mine i had a lot of deer coming downwind that uh never caught me but um on the west side of these beans, I actually plant about an acre and a half of, uh, this year I put in radishes, rye and, uh, turnips. And, um, I don't know if you guys noticed it this year or not, but I think it was part of the drought possibly, but they were hitting my radishes and turnips harder than I think I've ever seen them hit and earlier. And it has just drawn in does, a lot of does, like I'd sit there and see 15, 20 does, 30 does. And, uh, I've never seen quite that many on this plot in the past, but, um, that kind of is what led up to me wanting to hunt. This was I've got a few cutting um, uh, out around this plot and I've been getting a lot of pictures of does coming in there and a lot of bucks coming in, not necessarily checking like feeding in the plot, but they're coming through, they're checking it. And, uh, um, you know, if there's does in there, they'll run them off, but just getting a lot of doe activity in there. So I decided for the evening, I'd go sit the food and, uh, Basically got in there, I, I hopped out of the stand at about 1130 so I could get over to this spot and, um, it's a good transition. Like I said, even midday, I felt like I had a very good chance, of, uh, harvesting and seeing a buck and calling them into the decoy, but I got good bedding on both sides of me. And then it's a big pinch along the river. And, uh, I, it's kind of some canary grass with some open trees and a lot of, uh, cottonwoods and maples but it opens up into this big area where a lot of the bucks will come out and at least check this plot midday, um, just to see if there's does. And like I said, there's good doe bedding near me. So got in at noon and from 12 to one, I had four different bucks come cruising through there, um, had one real young buck, uh, come out and check out the decoy and work back off. And then it was pretty slow from probably one till about two 30. And which I kind of expected. It I'd been sitting all day and having really good action from like 10 to 1, 1.30, and then it'd slow down, but then pick back up around 3. And uh, around 3 o'clock, I had a little buck come and start feeding in the beans and then some does. And uh, every time I'd see a doe, I'd see a buck right behind her. A lot of little bucks, but um, they were chasing them off. And then about, oh, probably 4 o'clock, um, I had a little fawn come out and a little buck and he decided he wanted to come check out the decoy. And like we were talking about earlier with decoys, this food plot, I think it works so well with a decoy because basically from one end of the plot, well, from my blind, like the furthest shot within the plot would be about a hundred yards. So when these deer come out into the plot, they right away, I think I'm within their bubble and so about every buck that i see comes and checks out the decoy and i've never had any issues with does getting scared of them they'll they'll look at it and sometimes come up to it but a lot of times they stay back 40 yards and just feed but all the younger bucks will come up and check it out and i had this one young buck come out and beelined right towards it he was all bristled up and uh i don't put any scent on my decoys as far as like um tarsal gland or any deer scent, I just kind of spray it down with nose jammer and, uh, this buck come up, bristled up. And then you could tell he like lost all his, uh, aggression when he got to it and just started sniffing it, circled back to the backside. And it's kind of funny. I've got, I had a trail camera right in front of my decoy and you can see this buck walking up to the back of it, sniffing the back of the decoy. And then all of a sudden in the, in the trail cam pictures, you see the decoy tipping about halfway. So, the buck tried to mount my decoy, tip my decoy over, and in the footage, I'm trying to like lift the window up at the same time so I can like shoo this deer away. Cause I've had luck doing that in the past, like not wanting to get out and pick up my decoy every time a deer knocks it over. I'll, uh, like with younger bucks, if I can just basically say, like, get out of here and they don't, they don't mind. I don't know. They don't really care. But, I don't, just
1: to... the window, shoot.
5: Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go pick up my decoy every time. I do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've done that with fa- I've done that with fawns too. Get out of here boy. It doesn't seem <laughs> to affect them. They just kind of look up and I don't know. They, I haven't had. Yeah. Make it harder to hunt, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, I, he knocked it over so of course though when he knocked it over um hadn't seen a whole lot up to that point for the last hour or so but as soon as he knocks it over i look up and here comes like three other bucks and two does i'm like shoot now what do i do like i really need this decoy because that is what i felt like was my opportunity because none of these bucks they didn't seem interested i had a scrape tree right out in front of me and I, nothing has been hitting it super hard and right now it seems like they're just focused on the does and uh so I was really counting on that decoy to pull a buck's attention and bring him in close. So basically all those bucks started running some does off, and I had two fawns on the far end of the plot. Um, but in my head, I felt like it was important enough to get that decoy back up. So I snuck out of the blind, walked out, set the decoy up. The fawns kind of ran off um, back into the timber, not too scared. But I actually get back in the blind and get situated back up and within 30 seconds i look up and there's this really nice three and a half year old just standing right at the edge of the plot looking at my decoy and he comes out and checks it out uh i i got i don't know i just love using the decoy because you get so many cool like encounters like caleb and rye even have been seeing and um so this buck come out checked it out ran off some other does that had come out and then uh it was going on the last half hour, but um, every it was getting pretty quiet. And uh, the nice thing about this plot usually is it's kind of earlier movement because it's way back in the farm, all the eggs to the north, uh, about three quarters of a mile. So they'll kind of transition through this plot fairly easy early, and then head to the north. And I can sneak out of there at dark without too many deer in the plot, and it allows me to hunt it a lot and have some really good entrance and exit and I take the coffee and bike in there so I can, uh, zoom right in and out and I just park it right under the blind. But, uh, anyway, I had a doe step out and right, right in this last 20 minutes. And she's kind of feeding and she's starting to work her way off. And I'm kind of thinking, all right, like it's about normal, probably not going to see much more thinking about getting things situated, getting ready to do like a closer. And all of a sudden I look up and I see like deer it's when it gets dark, you guys know how it is, especially in those rednecks, it gets pretty dark. It's hard to see. And, uh, you like out through the trees and, uh, the canary grass, I can see a deer running and then I see a big, big body right behind it and ended up being this buck and, uh, he's chasing a doe and he chases her out to the plot. And this doe is just running all over. He's, he's hot on her trail and. I don't know, they run around in circles for probably five minutes. And it was interesting. The doe, she could go all over in the field, but she kept coming towards my decoy. And she, like, tried to bring the... I don't know if she was trying to get the buck to see, like, my decoy and think that that might, like, get him off of her or what. But, like, she kept kind of coming around the decoy. That or she was just that ready to get bred. But um, eventually... I kept hoping that like I'd get in his bubble and a couple of times, like he'd get within first time they came through at 30, but she was going so fast. It it slowed him down, but he didn't like posture up to the decoy and come completely in and he was moving pretty fast. Well, he kept doing that. And finally she stopped at about 40 and she completely stopped and he was at about 30 and he postured up that time. And I think like we talked about was within his bubble and he come in right to the right, 20 yards. I had the decoy at about 15. He's posturing up to it and gives me a good broadside shot and, uh, had the camera on him this time and wasn't going to let this one get out. He, uh, I was, I was super happy to take this deer and, uh, shot and he actually dropped right there in the right where I shot him. And initially I thought I spined him cause he went down so fast. So, um, I got ready to put another one in him. And when I got out there, the shot was literally right behind the shoulder. Um, like, look perfect um I, he was slightly quartered so the only thing i can think of is maybe it hit his offside shoulder i don't know if there's a nerve in there or like stunned his hit the bone hard enough that it just took him out but he literally just toppled over and uh, uh he would have died quick i went ahead and put another one in him just to kind of like why not it's put him out as quick as can but um yeah no he he was down right there and it was yeah it was a pretty cool hunt and like i said it was deja vu last year i had the exact same thing happen um the buck came out and he wasn't on a doe he came straight to the decoy last year but um almost the exact same spot in the field where i shot him too so i don't know it uh spot's been pretty good
0: (laughs) yeah man all the respect in the world first and foremost for you know the self-film adventure you know, that is a, uh, that's a tough game. I can't say I've self filmed since 2017, because I'm just not going to do it. I know the that the situation. <laughs> what do you say? Is
5: that when the double drop, double flyer got away?
0: Yeah. Me and you know that day real well, don't we? Yeah, that's, that's 2016. But, um, uh, no, I mean, seriously though, like, thank you, you know, man, like the dedication you put towards that camera, it's cost you a lot of deer. Caleb obviously has lost the opportunity on a lot of deer and yeah, it makes these moments when things do come together, just that special, right? Um, You know, you mentioned that spot's been really good to you over the years, but we're getting pretty long here. So try to make this fast. But one of the things I think is just really awesome to see is I remember there was no food plot there, right? It was just big opening. And what we? we were freshmen, sophomore in college, and we just joined Millis Whitetail and you convinced your dad to buy this redneck blind. And we're just like, dude, you have a redneck blind, now what? And, you know, if you think about this spot, it's one of those examples where like, you really can mold it into an opportunity early season, middle of the rut and late season, all because of the sweat equity that you put in there. You know, you talk about, and I'll try to paint this picture as clear as I can audio-wise, but you're looking to the south, perfect access from the north. So, you know, now you've got like Owen always talks about, Mike talks about, if you can't get in, you can't get out, doesn't matter. Well, then, you know, it was one big ag field and then could never get beans to grow. Well, then you invest in the time and you know the money to get fencing. Now your beans grow. And then you take it a step further at the green food. And so all these memories, you know, and hopefully that's what comes through on the video on the Arlen show coming up on this Friday. I talked to Gavin, I believe it will be this week, but you have made this spot so good. It wasn't always, you know, it was there in the area, but I mean, you know, you paint that picture. It's, it's pretty cool.
5: The biggest difference we've done is like you said, we used to have one big five acre food plot. And you just could not get the deer close enough. So we broke it up and now we've got two and a half acres of beans. And then I've got rye and you just create more edges and put a scrape tree in and the decoy. And it seems like you get a lot more opportunity, at least with deer close enough. So
0: yeah, it's as as, uh, good of a reoccurring spot as any. And I mean, the cool thing is, is like you haven't even tapped into the late season potential. Um, another big thing is like that spot, you know, we get a lot of flack on blind hunt sometimes. However, think about that location. There is no tree and the only opportunity you'd have to put a tree stand in is where on the other side of the, the food plot or the beans or whatever. I don't think you have nearly as good of hunting and you no. certainly don't get to hunt it as much, yeah. you know? So it's, it's one of those scenarios where like, that Redneck Blinds is as big a part of the strategy here as anything, you know, yeah. and it, at the end of the day, created some great memories for your kids, it's created some great mm-hmm. memories for you. So kudos yeah. to you, man, congratulations, and thank you. maybe Caleb and I can pick up the slack and the, the trio of friends. Caleb's for sure doing a lot better than me, you know, he's, it's all me, yeah. I'm the one that's not bringing anything to the table, honestly, but uh, it's cool, man. I'm excited for you.
5: Thank you. No, it was fun. I, uh, I think you Ryan, Caleb, you guys all are, it's, I don't know. I feel like each of you have been like super close so far this year. And I mean, well, right. You've
0: been watching from me.
5: <laughs> well, you know,
0: <laughs> I don't know.
5: I feel like it's just a matter of time.
0: Well, moving on. So we can get the folks back to their tree stands or whatever they got to do, I guess. I'm the one finally to give an update, um, hung two killing stands today. If it works, that was a great quote. And if it doesn't, I'll look like an idiot, but, um, Owen, you talked about it in the beginning, it is a funnel and it's going to be a feast or famine for this drop time, 10 pointer. I admittedly could have missed my opportunities by this point. Um, you know, he was pretty MIA on the property for the last two or three weeks of October. And then boom, rut hits. And I got photos of him November 2nd. Then I got photos of him November 8th, daylight, midday. And then also uh, a few days ago, November 12th, same time frame, midday. Pattern or no pattern, the consistency is that We've had all these consistent souths, and on the 12th, we had a brief North wind switch for probably half the day he walks through and that funnel sets up perfect where the bedding is on the North side of him. It's a really nice path that the landowner uses to drive his ranger through checking his trees and all that jazz leads right up to a big pond. And so today I finally just saddled up, got those stands hung. And I think Friday pending, he doesn't find a doe. We're gonna sit all day. Um, hopefully, he'll come through and scent check that bedding area again, and we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, two daylight opportunities, two days that you know I talked to Caleb about it. I've talked to Ry about it. We've said, "Oh, we should probably go hunt him," and I just haven't. Um, it's ludicrous at this point, honestly, because you get the photo and you're like, "Oh, that's cool, he did it," and then you're like, "Yeah, why are why are we not there?" But we'll see. Hopefully I have some good report on that one because it feels as good of a plan as I have, but, uh, we'll see. Time will tell.
5: Yeah.
1: It's one of the times of year it can be tough. You know, we all wait for November, but when you get in this, um, sort of peak breeding and man, you can log a lot of hours and not see very much, but you gotta be out there and then Either they're between those or the doe drags them by. I mean, log your time in, and that's how we're successful this time of year.
3: Yeah, the thing to remember, Absolutely. too, is, you know, they can be most of them are locked down, but if you get one that's not locked down, he's probably going to move most all day. So, I mean, that's all it takes. Just be freed up for half a day, and you're just as likely to see him at noon as you are morning and evening, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it's crazy. He's on a quote-unquote – I don't know if he's just in a three or four day pattern i mean you know he could have been locked down and when i'm getting him he just happens to be off of a doe and those wind switches could be coincidental now i do think that you know you can still make a logical decision in the rut that says okay if i was a buck that's been walking all night or all day and i'm tired because that's the one thing it's crazy is like he has already his body weight's diminished from like early season you can just see that this thing is just constantly logging the hours. You know, wherever he's going, don't know how far he is, but uh, he is substantially smaller. Um, I'll just take my own advice and try to be the camera. We're not going to wait for any photos. We really, should just stop checking the dang thing, and hopefully, I'll be able to make a phone call to you guys. But
3: let's it's go, here let's go that's right
0: <laughs> let's go yeah. yeah got you yeah And i yeah it's no fault of my own that that deer's not dead period i mean that's that's all there is to it so thank goodness you guys have had incredible hunts and put in incredible efforts to you know bring some great stories to close and yeah rye caleb let's uh let's do these guys proud and hop on the train so Exciting times ahead. Hope you guys have had some fantastic hunts of your own and appreciate you guys joining us again for another episode. Final notes. If you haven't caught the story of DK, you can find that on the Midwest Whitetail main channel. We just released that yesterday. Collins' hunt, if you listen to that, is going to be on the Midwest Whitetail regional YouTube channel. You'll be able to follow that on Friday and then all of Caleb's incredible vocalizations. If you haven't seen those, highly recommend you go to the White Whitetail Daily channel and check those out because it's seriously some pretty epic stuff. I mean, it it might feel common, but man, it's it's definitely not. And hopefully, you know, those will all lead to the shot opportunity that you've been working extremely hard for, Caleb. So, any guys got a closing piece of advice for the viewers out there? I think you already said it get in a tree get in a tree <laughs> get
2: you some good snacks that way you stay in the tree all day that's a, that's what, what it is, is. That's a snacks snacks <laughs> and a little bit of tp
0: <laughs> <laughs> snacks <laughs> tp and get in a tree appreciate you guys joining us for another after hours podcast best of luck out there and we'll see you on the next one